If you are looking to take your data career to the next level, whether that's lending your first data job or maybe getting a promotion, data visualization is probably the place to spend your most time on. Why? Because it's the best bang for your buck. Data visualization is not that difficult, but if you can do it well, you will be amply rewarded. In today's episode, I talked to Andy Krabel, who is a Tableau expert. He's been using Tableau for over a decade, and he's going to give us some great tips on all things data visualization, dashboards, and Tableau. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that helps aspiring data professionals land their next data job. Here's your host, Avery Smith. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we start today's episode, I just want to do some quick logistics. One thing is on Spotify, we're at 187. We still need about, let's see, 15 more reviews to catch Data Camp's podcast. So please, if you haven't left a rating or review, do so now. We've also had some really good episodes come out recently. If you haven't had the chance to go back and listen to them, in episode 74, I talked to Nick Singh about the data analyst interview. Of course, we had People Analytics with Serena Huang. We had I Have Good News for Aspiring Analysts, where I talked about some really good success stories from the Data Analytics Accelerator program. We talked about all sorts of different hiring managers. We talked to Jesse Morris. We talked to Andrew Madsen. We talked to Megan McGuire in episode 67. So if you haven't guys listened to those, go back and check them out. Also, I keep getting asked about sending cold messages and how to network. If you guys want to know more about that, I would go all the way back down to episode 42, the one I did with Asa Howard. I think that one's really impactful. We talk about cold messaging. So that's one from like the vault, I guess a little bit further back that I think you should listen to. And then of course, if you haven't listened to episode 46, 47, and 52. Those are all success stories from the Data Analytics Accelerator. If you want to know more what it's like to be a student inside of the program, you guys can always check the link in the description down below. But those are firsthand stories for people who went through the program. So check that out. That's Stephen Tran, Kadisha Bryan, and Courtney Ballard. Go listen to those episodes, guys. Let's get into this episode. So I'm super excited today because my guest has been using Tableau since 2007. He's part of the Tableau Zen Master Hall of Fame. He's worked for awesome companies like Facebook, Coca-Cola, and now runs his very own data consulting apprenticeship program called the Data School. We'll talk about that later in the podcast. Andy Crable, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Avery. I appreciate the invitation. It's, and it's great to see so many people joining us here. 
Yeah. If you're listening live, we got, looks like 80, 90 people here on the live. And then of course, if you're listening to the recording, welcome. We're glad to have you here. We're going to be talking about all things data visualization today, which is one of my favorite topics. And I don't feel like I get to talk about it enough. And I'm super excited to have Andy here, who's like one of the best people to be talking all things data visualization with. So Andy, we're so excited to have you. Tell me why you love data visualization. Why data viz? Oh, that's a great question. I think because it just makes it, I like being able to see patterns in data better. You know, I, I started my career as like an Excel analyst and I Excel as an Excel analyst. <laughs> see what I did there? But I found once I sort of stumbled upon data visualization, I was like, why have I been doing all this stuff in Excel for all this time? It's so much easier to understand what's going on at charts and graphs. So for me, I just love how it communicates so much. I totally agree. They say, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? And it's just like, I think that's so true in data as well. If you can make a picture, it becomes so much easier to see patterns and trends. I don't know if I realized that you started out as like an Excel analyst. When did you make that jump to like focusing more on data viz? Basically, when I started using Tableau, I worked at Coca-Cola at the time and I was asked to create a report or a dashboard actually is the word that was used to compare the targets that we would send to sales teams for their planning for the next year and those targets need to be compared to what the sales teams are actually creating in their plans. So if you can think about, you know, we might give them a target in August for the next year. So let's say for 2024, throughout the rest of 2023, they're continuing to update their plan. And then at the end of the year, they have to match. But along the way, if we see how they're comparing to each other, then we know where we need to intervene. If there's a team that seems to be stuck with the progress they're making or they're having trouble hitting the goals, we can then step in and, and help them. And the way that I designed the dashboard, when I look back at it now, it's actually not designed very well, but it worked exactly for what we needed. And I didn't know anything about design, actually. I just knew that, oh my God, if I just compare these two bars, this is so much easier to understand. And that's kind of what got me hooked on it. And then I started reading as much as I could, starting with Stephen Fuse engine dashboard design. And I pretty much use Tableau every day since then. Wow. That's crazy to be using Tableau every day for over a decade now. That's Almost every day. Yeah. Hey, okay. Yeah, that's true. I guess <laughs> maybe on your weekends, you're not necessarily going into yeah. Tableau and making visualizations, but maybe you are. Maybe. It depends. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you like at the time, cause I mean, I'll be honest in 2007, I was 12 years old. So I wasn't thinking much about mm -hmm. dashboards back then. So was the word dashboard pretty heavily used back then or, or was it something new? It probably was, but I really wasn't very aware of it because probably because I wouldn't have been exposed to it. But there were always, you know, at, at Coke, there's reports. That's probably a better way to, to put mm, it. They called them the reports. reports. Yeah. yeah. Not dashboards. So maybe just the language has changed since then. And, and the reports were tended to be very text heavy. Um, they were built in tools that were really ancient and hard mm. to use. So you just kind of threw something together just to get it done because it was such a pain to create things. So I would think of them probably more as reports versus dashboards. Yeah, that makes sense. Just because, you know, this is a, like the edge of Tableau, Power BI didn't exist, all that good stuff. So when I think about yeah. dashboards today, you know, Power BI and Tableau are kind of the two big players that I typically think about. So I was just curious about that. So, okay, yeah. we've established data visualization is good because it allows you to see patterns and trends more easily. I always yep. like to tell people, you know, if you had to, let's just say you were going to lose all of your senses, but you could keep one sense, what sense would you keep? And for me, it's sight because like, if I can't see anything, 
it's so much harder to operate. Mm. And I think that's really yeah. powerful in data visualization. It's like, basically we're seeing data, which is really hard to do. And to mm. see data, we're making these charts and graphs. And so I wanted to play a game with you right now, if that's okay with you. Before you get to that, let's say you keep sight, but you need to get rid of, you can only keep one other scent. Okay. Scent. Scent. What is it? I'm going to get rid of smell for sure. I'm not a big smells guy. <laughs> I love to eat, so I could take taste. But I think talking to people, like doing the podcast like this is so much fun. So I'd probably keep hearing. How, what about you? See, I would think that you could get closed captions, so it might not be too oh. bad. I would probably want to feel things. Oh, that makes sense. Like a hug and I don't know, like yeah. grab stuff. Or I mean, how do you know if you touch something really sharp? Yeah, that's a really good point. Or how, how do you know you're touching anything? I guess you can Just start see. bleeding all over the place. Yeah, that's true. Have you seen those those glasses? There's these new glasses. It's like from the future where it's like a little tiny screen right next to your eye and it's transcribing what other people are saying to you. Oh, so interesting. For, I guess, what's that? Deaf people, they could, yeah. they could understand it better. So it's like, I think there's a microphone. It's picking up what people mm. are saying and then it's transcribing and displaying it right in front of your eye. How cool is that? Yeah. It, it sounds like, remember Google Glass? Yeah. Uh -huh. it, it sounds like kind of the next evolution of that. Yeah. So we'll see if it ends up picking up any momentum because those things are always kind of futuristic. So we'll see. We're going to play a chart draft where basically we're going to take turns. We're just going to go back and forth, drafting, picking our top charts. So we have established Ooh. data visualization is important. What graphs, what chart types are the most important? Do you want first pick or you want me to have first pick? Of course I want first pick. Okay. Yes. I'm really curious. We haven't talked about, I, don't, I have no idea what you're going to pick. So I'm a little nervous. Bar chart. All right. Explain it or does it need no explanation? Well, I mean, there's a lot of charts to go through, so it just depends. I just think it's the most universal one. Okay. I can agree with that. I think that's a no nonsense pick right there. Probably <laughs> the most common chart in the world. Okay. With my first pick in the chart draft, I'm going kind of the opposite of you. Not, I'm, I'm going a little bit more fancy. I'm going the animated bubble plot chart. And what? Yes. I love this chart. It's, I know you're giving me, for those who are listening, he's giving me a scowl. But I think this chart is so cool because you take a scatter plot, right? We have two dimensions. You put a bubble on it. You got a third dimension. Right. You put a color on it, categorical, right? You have a fourth dimension. You mm. use time. You have a fifth dimension. I just feel like I'm covering, I'm like in the matrix, okay. five okay. dimensions got, in one chart. I got you now. Yeah. I got you. So I completely misunderstood what you meant by favorite chart. No, no, no. Uh, I think I think uh, the bar chart's a good okay. a good first okay. pick. I think okay. it's the right. No, 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 no. I see. Yeah. I see. Let's see. So maybe I'll pick something a bit more interesting. Hmm. I love spatial data. How about I love a hex bin map? Oh, for the audience who doesn't know what that is, explain what that is. Yeah. So basically, easiest way to picture it is like basketball court. Mm, yes. And you can create like a heat map of where the shots were taken from. And what happens is uh, if you can just think about the dots that are close together, get put into the same hexagon and it kind of looks like what's behind you in the, on the screen there. Oh yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. So that's, that's like a hex map basically. Yeah. For those of you who are on YouTube or if you're on Spotify, shout out Spotify for the video podcasting feature. I follow this guy on Instagram named Owen Phillips. He does a lot of like hex yeah, with the yeah. NBA data and stuff yeah. like that. So it kind of looks like that or, or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a great pick. I like those. I didn't even have that on my list, but that is a great it, pick. I love it. It doesn't have to be sports related either. It could be like no. one of the things, one of the use cases I, when I teach hex maps, I teach about rats in New York. 
And oh. where do you want to, where are the rats in New York and where should you avoid them? And it's a really neat use case for rats. But another fun thing to do on that is if you can just picture that they're, they're hexagons, but they don't have to be hexagons. Mm. You're really just laying things out in a grid. Yeah. So we create a hex map with the concentration of rats, but then I turn the hexagons into cat emojis. The cats are really oh, wow. sad if there aren't that many rats there and they're really happy if they like the, you know, with the, the cat like yeah. uh, uh -huh. heart eyes. And that's like where there's the highest concentration. So you can create a cat map. Oh, I love that. All right. So with the second pick, Andy chose a cat map. I like that one. That's a great pick. Okay. That was a great pick. I'm going to go a little bit more basic for my second pick. I'm going to go back to the basics with the line chart. And the reason I like the line chart is obviously it's great for showing time series data, right? You could have the x-axis be date or time or whatever, y-axis be some value. You could have multiple lines on there to compare different things. But also one of the cool things about a line chart, in my opinion, is you can kind of pseudo make it into a uh, bar chart if you wanted to, right? It's basically, you could do a categorical and a quantitative variable and have it be almost like serve as a bar chart, even though it's not really a bar chart, you could potentially do yeah. it. So I think it's a very versatile pick. Okay, so following up from that now, this may be included in your line chart, but what about a spark line? Oh, I think that's separate. I think it's separate. Oh, that's separate. Okay. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know what a spark line is, you've probably seen them in like stock charts and things. They're yeah. like really tiny micro-sized line charts that the idea is to show the trends over time, but without any kind of scale. If you picture, let's say you've got, you know, a, a row for Facebook stock, another row for Amazon, another row for Google, and you just want to look at the trend for that particular stock and it's not related to the other stocks. So the scale is separate for each of them. Yeah. They're awesome. If you open up, like for instance, I use Robinhood to do stock trading and stuff like that. Robin has a lot of spark lines. Edward mm -hmm. Tufty, one of the best people to learn spark lines from. He has some really yeah. cool examples. I love that pick. They're hard to make though. They're, what do you think about, about making no. spark lines? You they don't think like so? five seconds. Using Tableau or using Excel or what? Yeah. Yeah, using Tableau. I'll put a video up tomorrow on, okay. on LinkedIn. Okay, uh, I'd, I'd love to see it. I have made them in Tableau. I am not a Tableau Zen master at all, but I have made them in Tableau and it took me a while if I remember, but yeah. I do like them a lot. Great pick. All right. Okay, I'm trying to decide where to go with my next pick. I kind of have it written out over mm -hmm. here. You took the hex bin. That's a good one. I'm just going to take a regular map. Can I take a regular map? Now, do you mean a filled map or a dot map? I'm going to go with dot map. I really like being able to see like the minutia of things. Also, just, just kind of a side note here is like, I mean, it's not necessarily data as we think about it. I mean, a, a, a dot map definitely could be data the way we think about it, right? But one thing that's real, and, and you have to be careful with the filled map. One of my favorite examples is Alberto Cairo talks about it in his book, hmm. How Charts Lie, where it's like, if you look at the election, I don't remember even what election it was, but one of the ones that Trump was in, you know, if you, you look at a field map, a lot of it was red, right? Like a lot yeah, of the country yeah. was red. But then if you actually went to a dot map or kind of what you're talking about, like the hex map of like the individual cities and stuff like that, it got a lot more blue. So I'm yeah. just going to go map in general. Edward Tefty says that Google Maps is one of the best data visualizations of all time. I'm just mm. going to go a regular map. That's a good shout. By the way, you were speaking of dot maps and for this podcast, I was actually recording a video on how to do a four level map drill down. 
Um, oh, so that'll be coming out. That'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. Sweet. So I'm going to say a cycle plot. I love how they show seasonality. So you picture you have um, a line chart, uh-huh. and you have it broken down by year and month. So you have like a column for each year, and then within each year you have the months. Okay. okay. So let's say you have four years of data. You've got kind of almost like four separate line charts. Okay. 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 That makes sense. So a cycle plot flips the month and the year around. Okay. So you're then looking at the, you want to look at the Januaries across the years and then the Februaries across the years. So you could see, have my January sales steadily increased? Have my February sales steadily decreased? Mm. Right. So those really help you see seasonality in your data. Okay. And how do I spell that? Cycle, like bicycle. Oh, okay. Just for our, our video audience here watching, I, I have to show you, this is too funny. I tried to look this up. And I spelt it wrong and I got Cyclops pictures up on, <laughs> on the page. So Cyclops is your favorite. So it's cycle. Cycle plot. plot. Yeah. Something like this. Ah, okay. Something. Ah, okay. Something yeah, like there this. you go. The, the second one there is, is a really good example. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. With my next pick, I'm going to take something, what I thought you were talking about early in your last pick. And I, I know this is controversial. I know you're not going to like it. I'm pretty sure you're not going to like it. I like these. The data viz community doesn't like these. I'm going to go with the spider plot or the radar chart. Mm. And can be, can be really useful. There's you use think cases so? for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. One, one of the use cases that I like to use them for is for things like, for instance, I recently did a project with all of my Spotify data. At what time uh-huh. of the day do I listen to music? So it just basically we made a clock and the further out the line is, on the clock, the more I listen that day. So that's going to be my pick there. Let's mm. do one more each and we can be done. Yes. Ellen Blackburn, who went through the, the data school, she now works at the information lab. She has a great tutorial on how to make radar charts in, in Tableau. And mm. the example that she uses is like skill levels. So if you picture kind of around the radar chart, there's maybe 10 different skills that an athlete has, or let's say yeah. you know, an NFL player, the combine, yeah. for example, yeah. NFL combine. And then you plot each player on there and then you can compare their strengths and weaknesses. That is a good one. And shout out to my favorite childhood video game, FIFA, the soccer video game, because that's where I learned what a radar chart was before I Mm. even knew what it was. Because when you're going to sub on a player, you click on the player you're going to sub and the player you're going to sub for, and it pulls up a radar chart of their skills and allows you to see, oh, this player is like more good at the defensive stuff. So you're right. That is a really good example. Yeah. My turn. Yep. Last pick. God, there's so many to pick from. I love a good bump chart. Mm, that one's really good. I, that one's not talked about enough. Yeah. I think those can be really, really useful. A bump chart. Uh, basically, let's say you have five years worth of data going left to right and you have, you know, you want to compare, you want to see where each state ranks within those. So yeah, that's a perfect example there. So you, you're kind of comparing how the U.S., this must be, this is carbon angle. Yeah. So you can see where countries rank across time. But one thing I like to do with this is I also like to have some kind of highlighter in here so that mm. you can see, you know, you only ever, like to me, there's too much color in this example you see here on the screen. It's hard to follow the patterns, yeah. especially when the lines start crisscrossing. Yeah. So I would use some type of highlighter here so that I can see, for example, if I click on Australia, in, in that example, I can see where Australia is highlighted because in, in that one, it crisscrosses with several other colors. So I don't know, does the purple go all the way down at the bottom or, you know, you, you can't really see it very well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like a bump chart. I love that. That's a great pick. 
I've also seen them, and this is me once again, I know some data viz experts won't necessarily love this. I don't know if you've ever used Flourish before. Flourish makes really yeah. cool yeah. animated bump charts, like where it like- Oh, really? Yeah. with time. And I mean, obviously- Yeah, I've seen it. those. I've seen those. Yeah. It's yep. like a car race or something yeah. like that. Or yep. They call it something like that. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So I, yep. I enjoy a bump chart. That's a great one right there. Okay. With my last pick, man, it's hard. Mm. There's some good ones I have on my list. I have the heat map on my list. list. I have the histogram, big histogram guy. I've never heard somebody describe themselves as a big histogram guy. (laughs) I love histograms. What's it called when you take a histogram and you just kind of like outline the shape and I call it a kernel density. Like a violin plot, not a violin. But yeah, I know know what you're talking about. Yeah. I love those. I like to see the shapes. I think that's really fun. I do a violin plot on my list. The heat map's probably what I should take, but I'm going to say screw it. And we're going to go with the Sankey. I'm taking the Sankey Uh, diagram. What? What's that? (laughs) It's really useful for like- They look cool, but they're too confusing. They look cool. I think they tell a fun story. They don't have a ton of use cases. So if you guys don't know what a Sankey diagram is, we'll pop one on the screen for for the YouTube and Spotify audience. A Sankey diagram is really good for showing flows of things. So for instance, probably the most well used case of this is like your budget. So like if you have multiple streams of income, you have them coming in on the left-hand side and then wherever your expenses go, they kind of go out on the right-hand side and the thickness of the line kind of represents how much the stuff is flowing. Another good example is the energy consumption in the US. The government usually makes a pretty cool chart where it's like, where are we getting energy from? Solar, oil, natural Mm -hmm. gas, and where do we end up spending it? It's not that useful, but they kind of look cool. Yeah, I mean, there's some really, really good uses for them. I, I think people misuse them. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm, uh, I'm scoffing at it, at the pick. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's really easy to misuse because it looks yeah. cool. When graphs look yeah. cool, you just kind of want to make it look cool. And sometimes you're not as focused on the actual like story or the actual, does this yeah. graph speak for itself? Is it easy to understand? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Actually, we'll make a poll on Spotify. It's one of the cool things that we can do on Spotify. Yeah, let let yeah. me ask you this. So now we talked about these different charts. You know, we yeah. talked about how it's really easy to misuse a Sankey chart just because it looks cool. You know, we throw mm-hmm. it on there. What are some other, you know, Tableau tips, data visualization tips? Like if you had to tell people, you know, this is the easiest thing that you can do to make your visualizations look better. What would some of those tips be? Stick with simple graphs. Most things I create are going to be, you know, the the five most common chart types, bars, lines, big numbers, maybe a map and a scatter plot. That's probably the extent of what I use. But then you have those, but always have context in those charts. So when you have, for example, if I just have a bar chart and I guess if you sort them, it does give you some sort of context, but it's really useful if you have some other kind of context there. So for example, uh, again, looking at a, a bar chart, let's say it's descending by sales, put an average line on there so you can see where the average is and which ones are above or below the average, something really simple like that. So no matter what you're trying, no matter what you put in your dashboard, try to give it some sort of context. So keeping it simple, 
minimal use of color. Sorry, can I can and, I interrupt you just real quick? Sure. I want to go more into that context because that's really interesting. So let's say we have a bar chart. Mm-hmm. You can add context by by sorting it. I think that's a great start, like you said. You can add context by adding like an average line to it. Would the colors be context too? Or like, what are some other ways to add context to like a bar chart? Yeah, so if we just keep building on that example, you could maybe have two colors, one for above and one for below the average line. Okay. And then maybe you only wanna highlight the ones that are above. So you put those as one color, let's say blue and everything else is gray. And then maybe you label just those. Right. So you can continue to uh, refine the focus of the visualization. Mm. Would you ever like, when's the right time to like add like a little, I don't remember the name for it in Tableau, like a little annotation or like a little caption. Is that something that yeah. you would recommend? So I would only do that if it's something static because like, well, in Tableau in particular, oh, yeah. they're usually tied to a mark. And if that mark disappears, then the annotation disappears. Gotcha. Actually, I don't even remember the last time I used an annotation. Okay. So not the type of context you're talking about. I mean, it does, if it's a static report and you want to say, you know, okay, this bar, the reason it's lower than it used to be is because of XYZ. This product went out of stock. So therefore sales went down, right? You just might make a note on it. Okay, cool. Okay. Sorry. I I interrupted you with your best tip. So you were saying, I think keep it simple was the first one. And then what was the second one? Yeah. And and then uh, minimizing the number of colors that you use. And this is another Edward Tufte thing. You want to reduce your data to ink ratio. So only use color when you have to. So a a good strategy is to just start in black and white or in Tableau's case, blue. So whichever, just one color and then only add color when it has a purpose. That way the color then draws attention. Maybe, you know, a year over year decrease, for example, or you know, some type of alert like that. So I would stick to blacks and grays and then only add color when you need to. Okay. I I really like that tip. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's so easy to use so much color. And a lot of the times it's because you have categorical data, for example, and most of the defaults and kind of understandably, but like even in Excel or Tableau or Power BI, if you make a bar chart, for example, I'm pretty sure this is the case that most of them are going to, I guess not in Tableau. Tableau will start in all blue, right? Yeah. Yeah. But some of the tools, yeah, they'll automatically color code the bars as well. Yeah. Which is Um, counterproductive a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So then you have to actually take a step to take the color away. But, you know, if people are new to visualization and that's how things are presented to them, they're not going to know any different. Right. So I don't necessarily blame the people when that happens. Now, if they do it intentionally, that's one thing. But if they're new to data visualization and they go through a training course that you know shows, let's just say Excel and Excel automatically puts the colors on the bars, they're not gonna know any different unless somebody tells them different. Yeah, which is which is one of the things I always thought was so impressive with Cole Naflick's Storytelling with Data book. She talks about this principle as well. And a lot of the charts that she makes are Excel-based. And I have yeah. no idea how on God's green earth that she makes those charts in Excel. Cause for me, it's like when you compare making a chart in Tableau versus Excel, the stuff that we're talking about specifically maximizing the data to ink ratio, which basically means you don't have extra stuff on your page that doesn't actually like yeah. bring life to the, the chart. Right. I feel like it's such a workout to make that high in Excel. It's so much harder than it is in Tableau. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I imagine it takes a lot of time to create those. <laughs> yeah. 
now because her business has gotten so big, I bet she has somebody that does it for her. Yeah, I'm terrible at Excel. Like if you took all the data tools, like I'm probably my least competent in Excel. My students mm. will tell you that when I do live examples in Excel, I'm like, where's this button? But like, I think there's ways that you can kind of turn those Excel things into a template maybe, or like you can copy and paste the properties of different charts. I don't know, but I think there's ways to make them faster than I do. Anyways, okay, yeah. so color's your, your second tip. How about a third tip about like what people can do to improve their data visualization? I would say use space. So don't cram everything together. So if you have multiple charts on a dashboard, let them kind of breathe, put white space around all of them so they're not just jammed up next to the other ones. It just makes it easier to look at. Mm, okay, I love that. Those are three simple tips. With with the spacing, I wanna move on to dashboards because you know, as a Tableau mm -hmm. guy, you're using dashboards quite a bit. Like what makes a good dashboard? Like what do you think the key components of a dashboard should be? I know it's kind of a general question. Yeah, I mean, a dashboard should have a specific purpose. So it might be to understand how our sales are performing. So it needs to have a purpose. It needs to have metrics that relate to that purpose. So when you're building a dashboard, if you put something in the dashboard that does not serve the purpose, get rid of it, right? So, you know, and I, I teach people to start with a question as your dashboard title, you can always change it, mm. but you start with a question. And then if you put anything in the dashboard, that's not related to that question, then it should be there. Mm. Um, so it has to have a, a purpose and it has to have context. So everything that you put in the dashboard should have some sort of context that says whether it's good or bad, high or low, some sort of like true, false, or, you know, good, bad type of uh, indicator for it. It should highlight problems. Well, I mean, most dashboards, all people care about is what the problems are, right? Who yeah. last got to celebrate a pat on the back for having great sales than people that have poor sales. But that's something you would define with your stakeholder. You know, what do you want to highlight in this? Like that's, again, that goes back to what is the purpose of the visualization? So yeah, so purpose, context, being able to take action on it. It's the right data for the job. So it's the right level of aggregation as well. So you don't very rarely need really detailed information. So I would stick with high level data or aggregated data whenever you can. Mm, I love that. I think I need to go edit some dashboards after hearing that <laughs> one. Do you like to doll up your, your dashboards or, cause one thing we talked about earlier was, you know, you made this, I think you, this dashboard in Tableau, you said it, it was kind of ugly, but it got the job done. Where do you find yourself yeah. on ugly and get the job done versus like making it really pretty and aesthetic? Well, there's a couple of constraints there. One is time. If you don't have a lot of time, then you're not going to have time to put a lot of polish on it. Um, I've been doing it long enough that I know a dashboard's never done. You just have to decide when it's good enough. So you can yep. fiddle around with the design forever. So I've built so many dashboards that I have a pretty good idea in my head what it should look like before I build it. Oh, that's um, cool. So, and again, that just comes with experience. I wouldn't expect yep. anybody to know that right away. So for example, you know, if I'm going to have filters, I can kind of picture in my head, all right, I want the filters on the left, on across the top, right? Something mm -hmm. like that. And how do I want to lay out my sheets? So in the dashboard, the most important thing should be on the upper left. And because people read dashboards, like they read a book. So in a Z yeah. pattern or Z pattern, if you're in, if you're in Europe. So I think that answers your question. No, it does. Question? No, that I'm was awesome. a great, a great I'm point. Nope. That was perfect. <laughs> and you know, you've been teaching us all these data things. And you also mentioned that you teach other people. One thing I want to talk about is this thing you got going on. I don't even know what to call it. There's not very many entities, organizations like this in the world. It's called the data school. 
it's kind of a school, kind of not a school. Do you want to kind of explain what the data school is? Yeah. Well, it's definitely not a school and it's not <laughs> a graduate scheme. It's a full-time job. Yep. So I was working at Facebook before the data school started. And one of the things I enjoyed most was the teaching aspect. So I ran everything Tableau at Facebook. So I used to travel and teach classes and, and all that. And it was, and that was my real passion. And then our family decided that we wanted to move. Well, my ex and I decided we wanted to move abroad. The kids didn't really want to, they'll, th they'll thank us at some point. Uh, so I called Craig Bloodworth from the information lab and they happened to be looking to do something kind of like the data school. So they had customers that basically were trying to find talent right? Tableau was pretty new. A lot of customers were having it, but there were no people there. So I came over to the UK to join the information lab and we started the data school. And it's a training program. It's a 28 month program. The first four months are the training. It's really intensive training. And that's the part of the business that I run. Everything else is done by other people. So when they go through training, they become Tableau experts and Alteryx experts and Tableau prep. And now we're starting to introduce Power BI as well. So they do all the certifications throughout. But the idea is it's a really intensive four months. It's probably the only four months they're going to get in their entire career where they get the focus just on learning. Yep. Um, almost nobody gets that opportunity. Yep. So we focus in on those things. And then after the four months of training, they then go on and do four uh, six-month consulting engagements for us. So they become consultants. And then after that, their contract is up. Some of them stay with the company. Some go out on their own. Some join other companies. Yeah. So first off, that's absolutely incredible. Congratulations. Like such a cool idea. And you guys are executing so well on it. And to kind of put it into uh, a summary, it's to me, it's basically like a paid apprenticeship or some sort of, it's, it's like you said, it's a full-time job. You're getting a job, yeah. but they don't expect you to know everything. They're going to teach you the stuff up front. And then they're going to yeah. give you positions where you get to challenge yourself. You get to learn new things. And then after your contract is up, keep in mind, you're getting paid this whole time. They're fine yeah. to let you go. They set you free like a butterfly. And like, yeah. you can go make a lot more money somewhere else, or you can mm -hmm. save the company and make more money. Like there's yeah. good opportunities. Yeah. This is just basically an opportunity to get your foot in the door. Yeah. And the, the, the best piece of feedback we get about the data school is that, well, the application process. So people learn a lot through our application process. We don't accept resumes. We don't accept CVs um, because frankly, I don't really care. Uh, I don't care where you went to school. I want to know, are you going to be good at this job? And do you have the aptitude for it? So we actually have people build something and publish it and then that's their application. So even if people don't get in, we still get a lot of very positive feedback that, hey, I really enjoy this process. I think I know what I want to do now. Yeah. So we've helped transform a lot of a lot of careers that way. But the most common term that people or that other companies do is what's called a graduate scheme. So that's sort of a you know the closest idea to what the data school is. But the data school is very unique. I don't know anybody else that does anything like that. No, I, I don't either. And I love what you said about the hiring process because you know one of the things I really talk about in my boot camp is projects, projects, projects. Like projects is what shows that you can do what your resume says that you can. It's like exactly. the proof in the yep. pudding. And I love that you guys are so focused on that. And then it's also really good because first off, I think that's the best way to hire. Second off though, is a lot of people, you know, who go through even like master's degrees or other boot camps, they just don't ever build any projects on their own. Yeah. And your yeah. hiring process forces them to do so. And I think they really enjoy that process. And then they're like, oh, yeah. I have a project. This is valuable. Even though I didn't get the job, like I have something yeah. valuable. I think yeah. that's such a, a, such a cool way yeah. 
One, one of the analogies that, that I like to use is uh, like, let's say that you're going to hire an interior designer. You yeah. don't really care where they went to school, right? You no. just want to see their portfolio. Yeah. You know, did they, you know, wh where have they worked? What kind of work have they, you know, is it, do you like the style of it? And that's the same thing that we're starting to see now with people coming out of the data school is they build up these portfolios and it completely sets them apart from other yeah. people. The last <laughs> thing I wanted to ask you is with that whole thing, you've, with your whole career, you've obviously interviewed a lot of people in your career. What do you think people can do who are listening to this podcast to set themselves apart? Oh, that is a good question. Um, prepare for one thing, and that means a bunch of things. It means you need to know about the company that you're that you're applied to, right? You wouldn't believe how many people I interview that have no idea what we do. Yeah, wow, and it's frightening. They don't know who is interviewing them. So when we do a panel interview, they know who's going to be in that panel. They should know something about these people so that when they talk to them, maybe they can relate to them a bit better. So preparation for the interview itself. So interview questions. I mean, there's so many interview questions out there. Almost every job that you apply to, the questions, somebody put the questions out somewhere. Yeah. So if you're not prepared, it's kind of your own fault. But keep it conversational as well. Don't just like memorize the answers because if you think a robot, there's no way I'm going to hire you. I don't find that interesting. You know, show your personality, be yourself. And I guess the last thing is you want to make sure that you interview the people that you are yeah. potentially going to work for, because you might love the job. You might think the company's great, but you might hate the person. You might get a really bad vibe from the person that's interviewing you. If that's the case, don't take the job. Yeah. I, I love that. I think that that's really key. I think that what you said is really true. Like the questions are out there, like for a lot of these, and a lot of the questions are going to be the same. Like, tell me about yourself. Do you have any questions yeah. for us? Those are going to be asked every single interview. Yeah, yet, yeah. I find a lot of people aren't prepared for them. When people say, no, I don't have any questions. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how is it possible that you don't have any questions? Yeah. It's, you know, even I, if you I don't, don't make one up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Surely you heard something during the interview that you want to ask about again. Just like you said, just make something up. Make it a conversation. Show that you're interested. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Well, Andy, where can people go to learn more from you? I know you have a website, you have a YouTube, you have a newsletter, you have a book, yep. if I'm not mistaken, too. Yep, yep. So my newsletter, you can sign up for at andycreeble.com. So every Friday morning, I put out career advice or some type of advice or something I've learned. I include a Tableau tip that's exclusive to newsletter readers until the next week. So you get early access to tips, discounts to products that I create. And I've actually started including book reviews in there. Um, I don't know if anybody finds it interesting, but I'll do it anyway, because it's a good way for me to remember what I read. Yeah. So go to andycreeble.com and you can sign up in the newsletter in there. And when you sign up, you'll get an email and that has a link to a free ebook as well. And so that's at andycreeble.com. You can go to bizwiz.com to catch up with all the Tableau mm. stuff that I do, all the Great tips, URL. all of the Great videos. URL. And my YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash andycreeble. And then I don't really use Twitter that much anymore. It's kind of died. So if you can uh, connect with me on, on LinkedIn as well, some advice on LinkedIn, if going to try to connect with somebody, you can just follow them. You don't have to be connected in order to see their content. So I don't accept everybody that, that, that request because I know they can still follow. So, but if you are going to try to connect with somebody, at least put a message or a note in there when yep. you send the request to connect. For sure. We'll have all of those links down below, as well as a link to the data school. If you happen to be in, what is it? New York, London, and Germany are those three places? New York, London, Hamburg, and then Sydney, Australia, Melbourne, and Brisbane. 
Yeah. If you're in one of those locations, that's where the locations are. I guess if you want to move to one of those locations, that's where the data school is. So we'll have links to all of Andy's stuff as well as the data school stuff in the show notes down below. Andy, thanks so much for your wisdom. Yeah. Thank you, Avery. hope you guys enjoyed this episode and you feel more confident in your data visualization skills and you're ready to make some dashboards and graphs and show them off to your coworkers and your friends. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please make sure you've left a rating and review for the podcast. It really helps the podcast grow. Also be sure to check out all of the show notes down below to see what I have going on. I just launched a new analyst interview prep service that basically uses AI and video to help you prepare for the data analyst interview. If you guys haven't seen it yet, you guys got to go check it out. And of course I have my bootcamp, my newsletter, all that's good stuff in the show notes down below. Go, go click a random link, see how it is and appreciate you guys for listening. I'll see you guys next week.